Welcome to Hey, It's Julie, a podcast about a regular person talking to other regular people about their stories. Now, let's take a peek into the lives of other people with your host, Julie Vasello. Hey, it's Julie. Today's episode is called A Very Boring Talk, and there's a specific reason for that. We're actually talking to a guest with an interesting name. Our guest for this episode is Ryan Boring. Ryan is the marketing director for Samuel Goldwyn Films in Los Angeles. He's also a gay Christian who left his entire life in New Jersey behind and moved across the country to start a completely new life in California five years ago. I want you to hear his story because I think it's interesting to get a behind-the-scenes look into the experience of starting over completely. It's not an easy thing to do, but it is a very liberating experience. It's even more liberating when you haven't been able to be true to yourself and you finally arrive in a place where you can be your full, authentic self. In my humble opinion, being your authentic self is the most important thing you can be as you walk through life. Welcome to Hey, It's Julie, Ryan. Thanks for joining me. Hey, Julie. So glad to be here. So how did I do with your intro? I liked it. I mean, I love, I have to just say, like, the gay Christian thing always makes me laugh because at work, that's sometimes how, when we're talking about films and we're being introduced, it's like, oh, yeah, Ryan's the gay Christian. He He's the head of all of our gay and christian content which always makes me laugh when he says that (laughs) you get to be the token gay christian at your office (laughs) i'm the token gay and the token christian it's always a good time you don't see that combo very often huh (laughs) no it's very interesting it's it's when you say people kind of look at you for a second they're like wait what although i think samuel goldwyn films is interesting i think the story of your entire life change might be equally interesting i say we start with that what do you think Cool. sounds good to me Okay, so there's a lot to unpack here. Let's start with the big move. Well, actually, wait a minute. Let's actually start with before the move. I'm interested in the whys. So why did you make such a big move? I mean, I've always been interested in film and entertainment. More younger, when I was younger, I was always more on the acting side. Like, oh, I'd love to do that. I'd love to do that. I want to be an actor. <clears throat> and then through church and things, I got really involved on the back end of like, videoing and editing and i was like oh i love this this is what i want to do so i went into like film school and everything and then i ended up coming home and fell into marketing and it actually was a better fit for me i actually really enjoyed the marketing concept but taking what i learned from school to do that so that was when i was working at radwell which is when we met um which was a good time learned a lot but it wasn't my true passion And I started hitting that age of, okay, this is either my career, this is what I'm going to stay and do and grow here, or I need to take that leap and make that jump and change it now. Because if I'm like, literally, if I wait here another five years, I won't leave. I won't take that chance because I'll have too much in place here. I won't uproot everything at that point. Right. Too much invested at that point, as opposed to, you know, when you didn't have quite as much invested, it was a little bit easier to make the change. I still think it was probably a difficult change to make. Oh, it was a huge change to make. On top of that, like with family, I'm super close with my family. The original goal after school is to do New York City so that I was and they're all in New Jersey. So like it was, you know, two hour, hour and a half, you know train ride down. To right, see them. right. Your family would have loved that. Right. Your family would have been much happier like with even that. Like Philadelphia, they would have been so happy with something like that. Um, but is Philly really known for that, though? Like, I mean, I know that New York and LA kind of, you know, New York, you have the theater scene, and there's a lot of movies that get filmed in New York. LA, of course, being LA, but I don't think of Philadelphia as like a mecca for acting. It, I know that sounds, 
Uh, it would but... have worked for like more television if I wanted to go more into like more on like a local station and marketing on that side or work, you know, work in local television, which is a good career. Sure. I was just like, I just and to go on the religious side of things, you know, obviously being super involved in church. I just felt like New York wasn't the right place. I just felt like it, I needed to go to LA. I needed to go to Hollywood is is what I kept feeling. And it was a constant back and forth of do I do I really want to do this? Do I want to take that chance? That's a it's really it's a really big chance to do, you know, moving across the country. It's one thing to move two hours away. It's another thing to move, you know, 3000 miles away. Right. I just felt like that's where I needed to be, whether you want to say God, universe or whatever. For me, it's God. It's I felt that's where I needed to go and where I needed to be. And I put a plan in motion. I literally was, I decided to go back to school and get my master's and then, and working full time. So I got my master's in entertainment business the same time that I was working. And then I planned out about six months before I did the official move. I just started the plan and told certain people, started finding where I wanted to go. And then a month before I left, I put in my notice at work and was just like, I'm giving you a month. I'm gone in January 4th. You answered my next question, which was what the planning process was like. So you actually started almost six months before with actual concrete plans is what you're saying. I would say definitely six months before, maybe even a little before that. I was planning on where I wanted to move, what my budget would look like, how was I going to fund such a move. Um, you know, it wasn't like I had like a savings account that could facilitate that kind of move. So it was how am I going to do it? My family doesn't have that kind of cash to support me. So I needed to make sure I had what was needed to at least survive six months in California, praying to God, knocking on wood that things would work out. And so was, how am I financially going to do this? And I I mean, for me, I took a risk and I cashed out some of my retirement to, to be able to do that move. And I don't regret it either at all. I'm still here five years later. You read you my know. mind. You read my mind. I was just going to say, do you regret Not that? Not at all. I mean, maybe when I'm 80, I'll regret it in the long run, but I doubt it. I mean, that's a joke. I won't regret it at all. I'm, I'm so glad I did it. So now the actual move across the country, what was that like? Like the physical move? Because you had to drive across country. Obviously, if you wanted your car, you were either going to have to move your car via transport or drive it. So what was that trip like? It honestly was a lot of fun. So my mom took off some time from work and came out with me. We did the drive in, I think we did in five days. It technically could be three if you just plowed through, but we planned on the way to stop and visit a few people along the way while we did it. So like almost every day we met someone. And then when we hit Las Vegas, we decided to stay the night in Vegas instead of finishing the drive to LA, because like, that's only four hours more, but we we're like, let's just stay in Vegas. Let's have a fun night together. And then the next day, which was day five is when we drove then into Los Angeles. The drive across was, was a lot of fun. I mean, we, I chose to drive one because I needed a car, but two, then I fit everything in my car. And on top of it, we bought one of those moving things that go on top. It's like a giant bag. You could buy like a hard case or a bag. And it's like, a bag that you literally strapped down onto the car. And actually one of the funny moments was when we were driving, I was like, mom, I don't understand why the car is like 
dragging so hard while we're getting no gas mileage and i look over and i see people looking at me and here the whole top because <laughs> the front of it had been really light literally was blowing up so it's like half of it was like up in the air as we were driving you were not aerodynamic <laughs> we were not aerodynamic at all so i was like okay heavy things back into the front to hold it down um so we oh no that. and then at that time when i went to strap it back down i did the strap backwards we didn't realize it until i started driving and all of a sudden you hear it go as it's unstrapping and it's literally lifting off the top of the car. I'm like, oh my God, oh my God. I'm like <laughs> grabbing it and trying to pull it back down. I'm like, mom, pull over, pull over. We have to fix this. Uh, all my stuff's on I'm the like, highway. Oh, that's all I saw was like it flying off with all, cause like all my clothes were like in the top. So all I see is someone hitting and explode and close. That's all I saw in my head. I'm like, pull over, pull over. We have to strap back down. We pulled back over. And of course, you know, cops pulled up behind us. Cause I guess they, they saw us like swerve off the road really fast and they pulled up and they're like, are you guys okay? We're like, yeah, we're fine. The strap just came undone. And what state were you in? We're in Pennsylvania. We didn't even get that far. We were still in Pennsylvania <laughs> when this was happening. You didn't, you didn't master the, uh, the, the moving technique for a few states. <laughs> no, it took us a little bit. It took us a little bit to get there. And the interesting thing, honestly, about this drive was I was going to tell my mom I was gay when we, after we got to LA and settled in, because I wanted to have that kind of conversation after we did the drive and literally two hours into the drive, something came up and I was just like, well, I actually told her I was bi at first because I figured that'd be an easier transition into it. And then by the end of the trip, it was like, yeah, nope, I'm basically gay. There's no. So you eased her into it. <laughs> I thought I eased her into it, but it probably would be better just to rip it right off. But yeah, <laughs> no, that that didn't happen. She's like, should I tell your father? I was like, no, I'll talk to him later. Did you have any moments once you got there early on when you regretted making the move? Probably day two and a half, three, I regretted it. But are you kidding? Day two and a half? Well, it was different, though, because when I got here, first, the apartment I moved into was not what I thought it was going to be. Oh, um, that's not fun. The guy was kind of a hoarder and the place was kind of dirty. But I was like, I can deal with this. We can fix it. it. Was in a great spot, and for a really great price. Wait a minute. So you get to live with a hoarder for a really great price. That doesn't sound like a good trade off. <laughs> I figured I wouldn't be home as much. I'd be working, and I figured on the side it was close to like the nightclubs where I was like, I'm gonna try to work with them to do like photography, social media stuff like that at the time. So like the the apartment was in a great spot. It was a good price for what it was, if it had been clean. Um, but I was like, I can Ooh. deal with this dirty apartment though. That's a, t I'm sorry. That's like kind of a tough one. It depends how dirty, like if it was dirty that it could be clean and be nice, or if it was dirty, worn out and old, do you know what I mean? Right. It, there was a little bit of a mix. Some of it was literally just clean. Like I could have scrubbed the kitchen and I would have been fine. Like it was just like certain things. But then I was in Los Angeles for less than 24 hours and I went to an acting class and I did a kick and I, my kneecap dislocated. So my kneecap went from its normal spot to like the side of my leg. Oh my God. Um, so literally that must've been awful. One of the most painful experiences of my life. Um, literally. And the, the funny part was I was supposed to pretend to get hurt after I did the kick. So when <laughs> I fell on the ground and yelled my knee, everyone thought it was part of 
Oh my God, they didn't even realize you were hurt. And I was like, no, no, no. I just dislocated my knee. And they're like, haha. I'm like, no, stop. I am serious. I just dislocated my knee. And everyone's like, what do we do? I'm like, call 911, call my my mother. And like, I had the, I had the car. So my mom's in Burbank and it's about a 20 to 30 minute drive from Hollywood, depending on traffic. I'm like, I, I'm like, call my mother. Tell her to get an Uber, which she had at that point never used Uber before. Oh my goodness. I'm like, and the problem at the time too, I was much heavier and the stairwells are very narrow. So when the firefighters came, they couldn't get, usually you can like pop it back in a place, but they couldn't get it to pop back because of how it happened. And I mean, they're giving me some good drugs and it hurt so much. I'm cringing right now. Like just thinking about this, like just the thought of it is like, oh my God. And they're like, the problem is that because of how narrow the stairwell is, we can't put you on one of the stiff boards. We have to actually put you in one of those canvas bags that they use when they're rescuing hikers. So oh, they no. could, and there was like five of them around me carrying that, trying to get down the stairs, and they couldn't support my knee as they were going down the stairs. Oh my goodness. How did you even uh, I, and you were on drugs and you still felt everything? I felt everything and they gave me what they could in the field and it it hurt so much. So they get me in the ambulance. I mean, the only benefit was like they had some very good looking firefighters. I mean, it was almost <laughs> like a dream come true if my knee hadn't been dislocated. And you weren't in horrible pain. Right? Like if it wasn't like that, uh, it would have been great. They were pretty hot. So we get in the ambulance and they're like, oh, we have to take you to a different ambulance. I'm like, oh, can someone call my mom to tell her that we're changing hospitals? They're like, yeah, sure. So we get there and I'm like, where's my mother? So finally she shows up. She's like, I don't know what I was doing. She goes, it started asking for my license number. I'm like, mom, because you were trying to sign up to be a driver, not to be a rider. (laughs) She's like, oh, she goes, then I figured it out. She goes, but it was really expensive, Ryan. I was like, what kind of car are you? And she goes, well, it's really nice. I'm like, that's because you selected black car service, mom. It is a lot more expensive. (laughs) Your poor mother. (laughs) I love her dearly. She was probably a wreck and she she was was. trying to sign up for Uber on the fly. (laughs) She was. It was such a, it was such a mess. So, I mean, Mm. I I mean, so long story short, it was a very weird first, like 24, 48 hours in, in LA. And I'll say (laughs) I was super stressed because like I moved out here without a job. Like I took that risk. Like I didn't have anything set up. I moved out here without a job. I was going to make it all work. And here I am now. I can't walk. I have to go to physical therapy. Jeez, that's crazy. You know, we're just like, actually, another funny thing. The doctor that was working on me in the ER knew my dad's cousin. They were roommates in college. Are you kidding? No, he goes, boring, boring. Do you know, do you know this boring? And they go, my mom's like, yeah, that's my husband's cousin. He goes, oh, we were roommates in college. <laughs> Talk about small, small world. world. Oh, my goodness. That's crazy. Was there a moment after the move when you had an epiphany that everything was going to be okay? I mean, it started out a little rough, but was there that one that one key moment when you were like, yes, I'm where I'm supposed to be? Honestly, it was probably after moving to Long Beach and then Pasadena. I was around some really good people. And then, you know, you helped out too with, with connecting me with someone. So I was in, ended up being able to get a um, freelance job that was helping to pay some of the bills. So I wasn't using all my savings. So right, I had right. I, yeah, my good friend out in California, her and her uh, husband and her daughter live out there. Yeah, it was a huge help. Um, 
And, you know, they pulled some good strings for me to, to do that. And it was really appreciated. And, you know, I worked with them for five months before I landed the job at Goldwyn. And it was probably during that process. It was like, all right, this is working. And then once I landed the job at Goldwyn, I'm like, okay, this is exactly where I'm supposed to be. I'm learning. And, you know, it's only up from here at this point. So that's when I was like, all right, this is working. Cause it was, I gave myself six months before I was going to be like, all right, this isn't working. I might need to go back. Six months isn't very long though. in a move that big. It's not, I mean, I should, I shouldn't really say six months. Like I, I probably would have given myself a year, but if I had, had no traction, I would have been like, all right, this was wrong, but it, it worked. I know people often say that one of the best things about living in California is the weather. Besides the weather, what's the best thing about your life in California? Because I know you always talk about the weather, but we're not going to have a conversation about the weather on this podcast. <laughs> I mean, it is nice when I have my windows open for most of the winter. I mean, that's always a nice thing. I mean, honestly, one of the best things is that I I connected with a good friend group out here. You know, you mentioned in the beginning about being your authentic self. I felt a little more free here of of being who I am and growing more into myself of not having to pretend to be the straight boy. Right. You know, I was able to come out to more of my family. I felt more comfortable not, you know, being sometimes being a continent away from your family isn't the worst thing sometimes <laughs> when you're trying to discover more about yourself. Not that I mean, but look, I talk to my grandmother every day. We FaceTime almost every day. So it's not like the distance has separated us. No, it hasn't fractured the relationship. But what it's done is give you some freedom to be who you are without the expectations of family that are right in your face all the time. That helps a little bit. You know, you need some of that that latitude to be able to be who you are. At the same time, this isn't just California, but, you know, I had weight loss surgery while I was out here. Part of it was actually being inspired by the lifestyle of California. California is very outdoorsy. It is It is much more of a kind of a healthy lifestyle of let's go on hikes. Let's go to the beach. Let's do, it's a very outdoorsy. So when you're overweight and like you go for like a mile hike and can barely move, you know, that's, right. that's not the kind of life that I wanted, but it was a little bit easier to do that in New Jersey where you just drove and hung out versus here where it's like, Oh, Hey, we're going to go hike. Oh, Hey, we're going to go to the beach. Oh, hey, we're going to go play volleyball or oh, like we we're going to go play kickball. Like that kind of life out here is it's different. Cause it's all year. It's not like, right. Oh, the winter we're inside because it's snowing or cold unless you're into like skiing, which I don't like the cold either. <laughs> so like it kind of worked out. I was like, I'm tired of snow. So LA, here I come. But just living that lifestyle. Actually, the first date I went on with my boyfriend, what part of it was because of COVID, but honestly, it was a great first date was we went on a hike. It was a great time just to get to know each other and talk. And there are other people around. So it was safe. Right. It's just like one of those things that you don't necessarily do back east, or at least I didn't. I know nothing's perfect. So what are some of the things you wish you could change about living in California if you could change anything? The traffic. My God. <laughs> I know, I know, I know it's like funny to say, but it's so it changes your life when it, it goes like people think in I feel like especially like back east, unless you're like New York City, like you think miles, like, oh, I'm like, it's only 20 miles. It's 15 miles. It's it's by the miles. Right. Where here it's like literally Five miles could be an hour. Yeah, that's a New York City thing too. That's totally New York City too. Like you can't you can't judge distance and time 
equally right. the way you would in other places. Like in Iowa, if it's five miles, they know how long it's going to take them to get there. <laughs> in New York City, not so much. In LA, forget about it. <laughs> yeah, it's such a mess. And unfortunately, and they're trying to make it better, public transit here is not as great as like between if you think like Philadelphia and New York, the subways and, and the trains to get around. It's not as great out here. Right. It's a little bit more spread out, though, no? It is It is more spread out. Also, back in the day, there was a lot of lobbying to not have public transportation. Oh. You know, it's much more like- Why is that? From my understanding, let's not say it's historically accurate, but from my understanding is there was a lot of lobbying to go more car-centric than metro-centric. Mm, interesting. So, like, you can't take a metro train near me. There's no train station near me to take the metro around the city. You have to take buses. And and you're in West Hollywood, right? Yeah, I'm in West Hollywood. So I don't want to take a bus because I might as well drive. If I'm taking a bus, I might as well drive because you're stuck in traffic. Right. Is and That's the downside of vehicles versus trains. Right. So that would be the only thing I would probably change in LA really mm-hmm. is is that I like, I mean, I like where I live. I'm close to the beach if I want to go or... I mean, Vegas is four hours away. If we want winter, if you want winter when it's winter, Big Bear is only like two, two and a half hours away. Or where I went with Lucas, we went up to Lake Tahoe. That was that was a little bit more of a hike, but it was absolutely beautiful. Also, California is so different between Southern and Northern California. It's just very different. It's almost like South Jersey versus North Jersey, just in a much larger state. I was just going to say that. It's like the different identities, you know, the, and of course, North Jersey and South Jersey are completely on top of each other compared to North Northern California and Southern California. Yeah. Now that we've got a fuller picture of your life, let's talk about movies. Specifically, let's talk about Samuel Goldwyn Films and being a marketing director. Tell me about the company and what your job is all about. I want to I want to get some details about what it is you do. Samuel Goldwyn Films is an independent film distributor and production company. So basically what that means is if we're not producing content ourselves or with partners, we are licensing and distributing independent films, whether it's domestically, so U.S., North America, so think U.S., Canada, or the world. That doesn't necessarily mean that I'm working on the marketing in India, but we may put something there or sell through to another company. So yeah, so with me heading up marketing and PR for the company. Now, granted, we're a small company. We And we do about 30 plus new releases a year, not including our catalog that we're constantly working on, our back catalog, which is constantly being used for sales and in different ways. So I get to kind of play in both new release and catalog slightly. For new release, basically once we bring a film on, we determine when we're going to release it. And then I work backwards from that date. Ideally, mm-hmm. I love when we have like six months, but that's just not the market we're in. We're cu- we usually put out a film within three months of picking it up. What goes into the marketing planning for a film? What kind of things do you have to do to make that happen? So basically, so like my timeline, once we set the the release date is I work from, is there an existing poster or trailer that was already created? And if so, is that usable in the U.S.? A lot of times what's used in Europe or elsewhere in the world doesn't necessarily translate over to a U.S. audience. Yeah, that makes sense. So we take it, we look at it, and then 
we will decide, okay, you know what? We can use most of the poster, but we need to make a couple of tweaks. Or sometimes we're like, this just isn't going to work. We need to make a new one. Same thing with the trailer. It's, oh, can we recut what already exists or do we need to work from scratch? So sometimes you create the trailers in-house. Yeah, sometimes we do the trailers in-house. Sometimes we hire vendors. Um, Same thing with artwork. Artwork sometimes we do in-house or we hire vendors. I, along with another member of my team, the director of digital creative, we handle the vendor relationships. So I usually bring on who I think will work best for it. And then he handles the more back and forth with notes and coordinating with us and the filmmakers on notes and going back and forth to make sure we're all up to date on the right assets. There must be a huge approval process involved in something like that. Yes and no. We usually streamline it pretty well. The more interesting part that comes in that makes it harder is depending on the film and the contract with the actors. Sometimes actors get approval on what we call secondary approval. So we work from a set of approved photography. So the actors are like, these are the photos I approve overall for you to use for all marking, publicity, whatever. From there, certain actors will get secondary approval on the photo that we use specifically for the artwork. So they have to say, yes, I approve that photo on the poster. Like they've approved it for everything else, but for the artwork specifically, they get secondary approval. And then every once in a while, you'll land with someone that actually gets a bigger say over the overall creative. I've only had one person once get that approval, but that's because of the level star that they were and how they were involved with the film. I see. And then trailers, similar process, but usually actors don't get any say in that, at least not on my level. And then we just work with the filmmakers to get their input on what they think. Sometimes we're like, look, we, we need to sell your film. What's the most creative campaign you worked on for a movie? Or what you thought was the most creative campaign? It might not be to someone else, but what you found to be the most creative campaign. We did one called Paradise Hills, where we just created really fun assets. It was a lot of fun to create. It had a good cast. Um, Emma Roberts, Aquafina, Mila Djokovic, like great cast. And we just created some really cool assets and that they were shared and they were used. That was a lot of fun because we just had fun with it. Right now, campaign wise, we're working on another round, which is shortlisted for the Oscars for Best Foreign Language. Oh, wow. That's interesting and exciting. Yeah. So we may find out in a few days, but this will be posted afterwards if we get nominated. So fingers crossed, it's been a crazy journey the last several months working on it. I can't even imagine how intense that's been. It's been a lot, a lot of crazy hours, but so worth it and so exciting. Some of it's just email blasts. Some of it's working with talent and filming Q&As through Zoom because, you know, because of COVID, everything's been remote. So we're recording these Q&As and editing them, which honestly has actually been, there's been a benefit to it because it's very rare that you can get actors and all together at the same time to record something live because of schedules and locations. But since we're able to do it through Zoom or another video service, we're able to record it and edit it from everywhere in the world. Like we're recording here in LA through the cloud while they're in, someone was in London, someone was in Poland and someone was in New York and I'm filming here in LA. I mean, the hours are crazy. Like I was up at like five in the morning. That's pretty cool though. 
But the chance of us doing that in a normal world, it probably wouldn't have happened to get all of them together at the same time. Wow. What's the best part of your job? That I get to work on a lot of different projects. It's the one thing that I love about Goldwyn is that they don't have just a niche in in like, oh, we're only doing dramas. We're only doing like the indie drama. I think our owners have done a really good job about opening our genres and portfolio and being like, you know what? we're not just a niche company, like we're able to work on multiple types of movies and do well doing it. And it's fun for me because it's like, all right, so I'm working on another round, which is a Danish foreign language film about four older men that start drinking during almost like a midlife crisis, but they're testing this theory. And it's actually about life. And it has actually one of the my and I know this is actually probably going your this is a later question. Um, It actually is one of my favorite (laughs) movie moments ever is like the end scene and it's actually been listed for like some of the best scenes of 2020 in a lot of press things this is in another round yeah another round so that that's like that kind of movie where then all of a sudden i'm working on a horror movie and then i'm working on like an australian western so it's like i'm i'm going from different genres you know whether it's in english a foreign language sci-fi we did a sci-fi movie like was it last year, two years ago, called Augie, that it was just kind of cool. I really enjoyed it. And it was it was just fun to work on something like that because it it's different. So I, I enjoy not being pigeonholed into one type. And the mm-hmm. nice thing about working for such a small company is that I'm involved in multiple things. So even though I had marketing PR, you know, if I, I get to still watch some of our acquisition movies, I still get a little involved in sales. One of the cool things that we've always done since I've worked there is that when we get artwork comps, like poster comps, we literally would lay them on the table. Now, marketing, obviously, would go through first and mark which ones we liked. But then we would lay them on the table and invite everyone in to give their thoughts because sales has certain thoughts. Obviously, marketing does. And even like our interns, we'd invite our interns in, which I thought was a great experience for interns to come and listen to what we were talking about. And also say, what's your favorite? Tell us what your favorite is. That's really collaborative, which is which is a great um, environment for anybody, really. Right. It's very collaborative, very open. If you have time, you know, there you're always we always allow each other to kind of cross over to some level. Unfortunately, my schedule is just so crazy because of how many movies we're working on that I don't have the extra time to necessarily get as involved on a sales or acquisitions call. But it's vice versa too. They're doing their thing, which used to be a little bit more open when we had the office. It was a little bit easier because you would hear cross conversations. So it felt a little more open. But now with COVID, it feels a little bit more siloed. Right. A little bit more segregated, right? Yeah. I'm basically just dealing with marketing and PR now with minor sales and acquisition stuff that kind of either crosses during a staff call or if I'm talking to one of my other coworkers (laughs) or if they're like, oh, we need something. And I'm like, oh, okay. I have that somewhere in my files. Now that we've spoken about your job, let's talk about movies in general. Who are some of your favorite directors? I know I can I can tell you some of my favorite directors and why, but I'm going to let you start with the first one and then I'll contribute. I mean, Spielberg's always been a favorite just because of what he's done. Yeah, just because he's Spielberg. He's just amazing. You want to talk about like one of the cornerstones of entertainment? It's Spielberg. I mean... You know about you know about Jaws though, and you know about what a crazy story that was. Oh yeah, it was such it was such a it was such a mess. I mean, I mean, like I shouldn't say a mess. Like it took a lot. They were having issues. I read something an interview where he was talking about it, and he he thought that his career was over as he was making that movie. He's like, this is either going to be 
you know, a disaster and I'll never make another film or it's going to be career defining. Thankfully, he was it was the second one and he was right about it. Well, and not only was it career defining, but it also created the summer blockbuster. There was no there was no such thing as a blockbuster until Jaws came around. I remember I remember when Jaws came out. Jaws was it was crazy times. Well, I mean, I'm not quite of that age to know when Jaws came out, but it was obviously very much talked about in film school. I wasn't allowed to go see it. I was too young, but I um, I definitely remember when my parents went to go see it. So other directors, let's come on. There's got to be other other directors that you admire their work or respect their creative vision. There is. I'm just drawing like such a mental blank. I know who I want, but I can't think of his name. Well, one of mine is actually uh, Stanley Kubrick. Mm. Super intense, super creative, always had a vision would invent scenarios and things in order to put them in films and build scale models of things to depict like 2001, a space odyssey. Amazing. Just amazing. A very dark director though. You know what I mean by dark? Like that feeling of just intense and dark. Yeah. I mean, kind of like Tim Burton, honestly, he does some really great things, but a lot of it's dark, but I kind of enjoy most of it. There's a place for dark in in creativity and entertainment, definitely. Yeah, I mean it's so entertaining. I mean it really is entertaining. Like Edward Scissorhands, like what? I, I know but it's <laughs> such it's so entertaining. One of my now that my brain like finally caught up after today, Peter Jackson. Oh, okay. I mean Lord of the Rings, like that trilogy is probably one of my my favorite movie. Like I'm just gonna call it a movie because it really is just one giant ass movie. Right. Of like all times, the scope, the scale, what he like. I can't even imagine. I can't even imagine what that took to put together. I mean, it's just, it's so great. You know, the, just the, he took Tolkien, which is obviously already has such a huge following and turned it into a film that I think Tolkien himself would really enjoy. I think the film is a, the film series is the, the trilogy is a classic just as much as the, I probably shouldn't say this, but just as much as the actual books. Oh, I would agree. I think it brought people that aren't readers brought, it brought Tolkien to life for them. Like I'm a reader and I have the, like I read all the time. So to see it on screen was great, but I'm like, I know like the real stuff, but I feel like people that aren't readers or like, I mean, those are three good, they're good sized books to, you know, get through that. You know, it's great to see it on screen. I think he held as much as you can going from a book to a screen and still have time limits of like, no one's really going to sit in. I mean, granted, look, I have the extended edition Blu-rays and even that's tough to get through. And that's just sitting at home just because it's so long, but it's so good. Like at this point, it's like, I only whatever want to watch the extended editions. Like I don't want the short versions. <laughs> You're spoiled now. I am. <laughs> so let's talk movie scenes. Any favorites there? Um, well, I mean, as I said in another round, and I'm not just saying this because we're working on the movie, because if I don't like it, I don't promote it. The last, the end scene of uh, Mads Mikkelsen. Right, is this a spoiler? <laughs> no, it's all, it's all over. It's all over the internet at this point. Okay. He dance, he dances at the end. Actually, Mads has a background in dancing and he's never, like, I don't think he's used it super that much in, in film, but at the end, he just kind of lets go and dances, but it's like, at the same time, it's like controlled. It's not like, oh, he's just like wigging out. Like it's like, it's this like beautiful dance moment of celebration in life. And it, 
it's just shot so well with everything going around. It's one of my favorite scenes I've seen. Talking about Jaws, actually what's funny about Jaws was we, we studied it in school was the push pull. Yes, yes. And it's like, we just studied it. And I'm like, it's such a great moment though. Because in your mind, when something like that happens, that's what I see in my head is that moment of that. Yep. And it's because of Jaws. It's like in my head, I see that. But it's because of Jaws of that moment. That was an amazing scene. That whole shot. That it, what you felt when that when that um, push pull happened, like you just get, like get chills. Yeah, you know something's coming. It was just really th- the suspense. How the suspense was introduced in each scene in that movie that had suspense in it. It was just. It was like another character. The suspense was just there. It was living. That's what it felt yeah. like to me. I have like one more and it kind of just popped my head as we were talking about it, but it, it's just so memorable to me is the opening scene of Lion King and it's animated, but it's like the oh. music hit, the sun comes up, you see the animals, you see this giant thing and it's so well done. But like, as soon as you hear the song, you st- you like, you see it, like you see it in your head about how it's rolling out. And I think that was really well done from an, from an animated standpoint. I can't talk about movie scenes without mentioning the training scene from the first Rocky movie. That is my one of my all-time favorite scenes. What's well, such a classic too now? Like, I, like it it's, is. It's, it's so classic. It's so classic, but I love it at the same time. It works out. So, it's such a great moment. You just feel it. You feel that this underdog, this person who shouldn't be winning, may actually have a shot. That's That's what that scene feels like. It feels like hope. And of course, you know, the Steadicam too, the whole yeah. use of the Steadicam. I think it was the second time a Steadicam was used in a major film. Well, and that's where like music too plays such a big part. You know, I have a background in music. You know, I sang a lot. I was in musical theater. So like music has always been something special to me. And I feel yeah. like that it's it's music in those moments too, where it's like the music there. As I say, in the music when, you know, the opening of Lion King, it, it's it's music to me a lot of times too that just amplifies those moments. Absolutely. And makes it so much more special and memorable because you kind of connect it. Like you hear the Rocky song, you hear like, you know, like those are the things you're seeing in your head. Music is so important in any film. Even when you're doing corporate video, I, I, you you have to have the right music behind what you're doing in order to get the right feeling. It's so important in anything, I think. Absolutely. Any any visual medium that uses music needs to have the music needs to be considered as much as the visuals do. Oh, absolutely. Like I, they always say it, and this is just a me thing, but you know, they're always like, Oh, math is the universal language. And I'm like, no, music is. No matter where you go around the world, I, I mean, like I would say two plus two always equals four, but to communicate with someone. Music music transcends a language. You can understand when music's sad, when it's happy, when it's joyful, when it, like it, it just it transcends spoken language. Yes. All right. Before we wrap up this chat, let's play a little game of this or that because you know why not? Are you ready? I'm ready. I'm waiting. Okay. So my version of this or that, of course, is a little more wordy than the average person's versions of this or that. So hopefully, you are ready. Listen carefully. <laughs> Coffee with Al Pacino or running into Liam Helmsworth in the men's room at a club? That's not fair. I'm gay. You know the answer. <laughs> How could you pass up coffee with a legend? Oh, I don't like coffee. 
<laughs> Let's say drinks. We did drinks. Drinks, I'd be there. Drinks with Al Pacino or running into Liam Hellsworth in the men's room at a club. Al Pacino, obviously. Obviously. I would be very disappointed in you if it wasn't. Julia Roberts or Emma Roberts? Oh, Julia. Why? I just, I I mean, maybe it's just because I've grown up more on Julia Roberts than Emma. She's a classic. Doesn't she seem like she'd be just such a cool person to chat with? Yeah, like. I think she does. Like, I would love to, like, have, like, almost have tea with her. Like, I don't know what you would do, but, like, let's just, like, hang out and talk. Like, let's go shop. Well, I mean, you'll shop because I can't afford it. But, I mean, you can shop and I'll, <laughs> I'll carry your bags. Like, I'll be your bag boy for a day. Like, let's just chit-chat. Right? <laughs> okay. Bagels or wheat toast? Bagels. New York bagels or New Jersey bagels? <laughs> there is a difference, just so you know. Have you had a New York bagel? I was just thinking, have I had a bagel in New York? My goodness, if you have not had a New York bagel in your life, you must, at some point in your life, have a New York bagel. And I'm not kidding. Totally serious. I must have. Like, there, there's no way I haven't had a New York bagel. It's a life-changing experience. It's been so long since I've had a bagel, because obviously I don't eat them out here. Do they even have decent bagels out there? They do. I shouldn't say that. I had I had a bagel, I guess, a, a year ago when we still had the office. Someone brought in bagels. There, there are a couple of decent bagel shops. There's just a difference, and it's so hard to understand. Like pizza. Like, it's you, not- You know what the difference it's is, the right? It's, it's, it's because of the water. The water. That's all it is. It's the water. The water on the East Coast makes much better dough. That's what I'll it tell is. you what. If I owned a bagel shop anywhere but New York City, or a pizzeria anywhere but New York City, or North Jersey- I would literally fly in water from the East Coast. I totally would. There are places that fly in dough. Like they have dough. They fly it in. They get it flown over here. All right. We're still on this food subject. So breakfast or dinner? Dinner. Really? I I eat dinner for breakfast. I'm not a big breakfast food person. See, I would eat breakfast for dinner. (laughs) If it wasn't for my boyfriend, I probably would not eat as much eggs as I do. All right. Swimming in a pool or swimming in the ocean? Pool. Really? That's not what I expected you to say. I love the sound of the ocean, like chilling on the ocean. But once you get wet and the sand all sticks to you, I'm like, I'm, I'm no. <laughs> that is such a like baby brat thing to say. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the sand stuck to me. Oh, and you oh. get all sandy and stuck to. I mean, I love going to the beach, but no, if, if it's like here, yeah, no, I'd probably hop in the pool. Oh, I am all about swimming in the ocean. Books or magazines? Books. Cookies or cake? Cookies. Uh, I know it was a tough one. That's not, Do you want to change your not, mind? Final answer. That's not fair. <laughs> I don't like that question. Tea or coffee? Tea. Coffee's gross. Oh, I love coffee. It's so gross. Sneakers or flip-flops? Sneakers. Or as some people say, tennis shoes. I never understood the tennis shoes thing till I moved. They're they're called they're called sneakers. Just so everyone's yeah. aware. They're called sneakers. <laughs> Unless you're from certain parts of the U.S. and then they're I know, not. It's like soda or pop. If you're from New York, you say soda <laughs> with an if R at the if end. You're down south, you just call it all all cola, and then you just figure it out. <laughs> well, yeah, right. Why is my cola clear? <laughs> <laughs> Taylor Swift or Britney Spears? Ooh, Britney, definitely Britney. Really? I I love Taylor. I love what she is doing, but. Britney. I mean, I grew up on Britney, though. I know. I know. And I, right now, I have mad respect for both. They're both going through different things. And, you know. I mean, Taylor's like, oh, this guy that's a complete 
jerk to me is gonna steal my music it's gonna like buy my music without my permission she's like i'm just gonna record it all love it i know me too so empowering and so that's a boss babe move right there i mean she put out two albums during covid two two whole albums during covid i know it's just fascinating to me she's really such a prolific artist i was so sad that the second one sold out because i bought the lp of the first one and the second one sold out before i could get it i was so sad oh casual or dressed up i like a mix like i'm like i love like a dress shirt with really nice jeans and dress shoes okay that's kind of well it's not dressed up like a suit but it's not totally casual like shorts and a t-shirt either Right, like it's not jeans or a t-shirt. I I feel like things are a little bit more not as strict out here as like New York, where like, or I actually didn't say that the agencies here are all like suit driven, but like a lot of like in the studio, like for us, like we wore jeans and a nice shirt and maybe brought a blazer in for some reason we need to look nice. I mean, half the time we were we were actually wearing like more t-shirts, but nicer stuff. Right, that makes sense, and it's it's actually a very easy wardrobe to manage. Yeah, I just love jeans. I I could wear. I mean, except for like the summer when you're outside, I love wearing jeans. Yeah, me too. I'm totally a jeans and boots kind of kind of woman. I can't stand dress up. Boat or jet ski? Boat. Have you been on? A, have you been on a jet ski? Yes. So much fun. I love jet skis. Oh my god, so much fun. See, what I really want is I want a yacht with a jet ski because then I get both the boat and the jet ski. But then you wouldn't be playing this game. <laughs> <laughs> No, that doesn't we, count. <laughs> we'd be we'd be recording it on the yacht in the Caribbean. Exactly. I I could. I'm down with that. <laughs> you let me know when. I'll show up. <laughs> Movies or TV? That's really hard. I figured it would be. That's not fair. I I plead the fifth. I, I would honestly. I would almost say television because they're doing such great. The streaming, especially streaming, is doing such great stuff right now. Honestly, WandaVision on Disney Plus has been so good. Elite on Netflix is such a great show. It's not even America. I mean, Elite is a foreign TV series. It's so good, though. I think the streaming services have really upped the television game significantly. I mean, they've kind of had to. But I mean, basic. I mean, like what? Walking Dead is, I mean, for I don't watch it anymore, but like for a long time, it was really good. And you can't do that in movies. But I think movies hold a special place of like two, two and a half hours. You get the whole story. You're done. There's a magic to movies that's different than TV. Exactly. I would agree with that. So we'll leave it at that. Magic. Magic. Thanks for joining me, Ryan. I wish you the best of luck with any future endeavors in marketing, in life, in whatever you're doing. Well, thanks for having me, Julie. It was a blast talking with you. Look for Ryan's new podcast, Boring Talks, coming soon. Boring Talks will be a behind-the-scenes look at the independent film industry. And of course, thank you to you, a valued member of my listener tribe, for listening to episode two of Hey, It's Julie. I appreciate you. Don't be a stranger. For more information about this episode, please visit the episode notes. To show your support, please subscribe and leave a review wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Thank you for listening to Hey, It's Julie.